Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We have an assignment. We have a job to do. We this. 2022 is going to be an exceptional year I believe for the body of Christ Um, it may not look good for everything else but it's going to look good for the body of Christ and it doesn't really matter to me what everything else looks like because I'm locked in and I'm loaded in the kingdom of God and as long as the kingdom is moving and the kingdom is shaking and the kingdom of God is expanding I'm feeling good about where I'm situated if you believe that shout yes now I want you to open your Bible to Isaiah Isaiah chapter 9 I'm going to kind of build off a little bit what we talked about last week because I couldn't get away from the text you know sometimes as a preacher you preach something and you think you're done and you're trying to walk away but the Holy Ghost keeps pulling you back and say look one more time Verse 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Remember, babies are born in a moment, but sons are produced through process. Don't forget who you are. You're a daughter and a son of God. Born again in a moment. But you got to go through the process to be a son. And the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and uphold with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Clearly, articulately, powerfully. Give us ears to hear. Minds to understand and spirits to receive. And we thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus and the church shouted. Come on, you can do better than that. And the church shouted. Amen. Amen. You receded. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. You did awesome today. Well, this this text continued to capture my attention this last week. And because you know, as I as I was getting into it last week and begin to look over it again, I was I was I really begin to realize that it is loaded with kingdom, of course, kingdom and military images. I'm gonna, I want us to bring us into the context of the scripture as I did last week, and then I'm going to move on. But what we see here is Judah. Judah has been terrorized by Assyria. Assyria has reached her apex of power, and now she is poised to attack Israel. Israel is in a place of moral bankruptcy and military weakness. Um, But soon she will be attacked by Assyria and she will be crushed. 
She will be defeated. Uh, she will be brought to her knees in shame and uh, humiliation and judgment. So during all of this, Isaiah sees a prophetic vision. He sees 700 years into the future. And this is where he begins to prophesy. A child will be born and a son shall be given and so forth. As he begins to release this, these scriptures. But let me, as I did last week, remind you because Israel is going to be brought into captivity. But you have to understand Israel's captivity had nothing to do with God's ability to bring deliverance. But it had everything to do with Israel's refusal to move into repentance. Nonetheless, God kept the promise. God kept the prophetic word alive 700 years. He kept it alive for what I want to call a prophetic remnant. And this prophetic remnant, because they were in the time and the season that they were born in, had a longing. They were longing and they were looking for the promised Messiah. The one that had been promised 700 years earlier, a child will be born and a son shall be given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government shall be upon his shoulders. See, that, that, that's kingdom talk right there. The government shall be upon his shoulders. What that means is, is he can carry it all by himself. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Who? The son. A, a, a baby will be born, but a son will be given, and he will get up under the whole kingdom of the earth, and he will carry it himself. He doesn't need anybody's help. He's the wonderful counselor, which we found out was a supernatural strategist, mighty God, the warring God, the everlasting father, the, the one that sits on the throne forever and ever and ever and ever before and after beginning and end. The prince of peace, the one who has overcome everything and one day literally will sit on David's throne and rule from it on this people planet for 1000 years. And then it set up on the throne of David and over his kingdom. I, 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 I'm, I'm bringing those back around because I want us to see the images of kingdom and military images. All of these words mean something, and they're referring to the kingship of Jesus and his kingdom. They describe how his kingdom began. A son was given. A child was born, and a son was given. This was the beginning of the kingdom of God on the earth. This is how it began. And this is how it will continue to increase. It shows us. It will continue to increase and expand. And it will never have an end. You see, many, many think that when time ends and we're all wrapped up in eternity, that everything's done. But it's not because eternity will continue to be eternity. It will continue to go on. So the kingdom of God doesn't end then. It never ends. It doesn't end with time. So when I, when I was looking at this and I was thinking about all of that and I was thinking about this prophetic remnant. This remnant that was alive for such a time as this. This remnant that had a longing and, and had a, 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 a looking heart for the promised Messiah. See, when I use the phrase prophetic remnant, what I'm talking about is the prophetic remnant is made up of those who have been called to live and called to lead in spiritual strategic times. 
You got to understand you are living in such a time. A very spiritual, strategic time. Our Bible says in Romans 13, 11, the, the apostle writes, to live like this is, is all the more urgent for time is running out and you, you know it is as, strategic, as a strategic hour in human history. It's time for us to wake up. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So, so we understand we came into the kingdom but understand the work of God is very strategic right now because there's some things that God is going to get ready to wrap up. This kingdom, this governmental increase that I want to, I want to deal with, you really need to understand this prophetic remnant because I believe you are such a people. That right now there is a prophet, not everybody in the church is in, is in the prophetic remnant. That's why it's a remnant. Just like every church isn't the ecclesia. It may be the ecclesia in name, but it is not the ecclesia in practice. Not every church walks in their governmental authority. They just think, they just know they have it. So here at Fresh Start Church, prophetically, we know a whirlwind of revival is coming. We understand that it's going to create chaos. Because whirlwinds or tornadoes create chaos. They create storms. They create chaos. So, so we know the revival is coming of a whirlwind. It's going to create chaos. But this chaos will produce an awakening. America will wake up when the storm gets bad enough. Oh, how I wish she would repent and come to God now. But it's not bad enough yet. The storm is not intense enough yet. There's a whirlwind coming. And when it comes and when it gets the chaos, gets unbearable, they'll come to a place of repentance. Yes. So don't, don't be surprised at the chaos. You, you, you had been born for the storm. It is time for a nation-shaking, history-making revival. So with all of that set, maybe this will help us Understand the necessity, the value, and the importance of governmental increase, which is the ruling ship of kingship of Christ in the earth through his church. The question I hope to somewhat answer is how is that going to happen? How is this ecclesia, this governing body who has been positioned through Christ in the earth to bring forth his purposes? How is it going to happen? We go back to our text and the last phrase of our text. 
the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. How many understand zeal is the first step to accomplishment? Things don't happen. Things are manifested through the power of zeal. Somebody shout zeal. When, 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 when you talk about zeal, spiritual zeal, you talk about the kingdom of God. What I'm talking about is a burning desire to please God, do his will, and to advance his kingdom. The key to that phrase is burning desire. Is there anybody in this room that is burning with desire to please God, do his will and to advance his kingdom in the earth? This is so important because there is an all-out demonic attack to take the zeal of God out of the church. They don't want us to have zeal in our praise. They don't want us to have zeal in our worship. They don't want us to have zeal in our preaching. They want everything calm, lethargic, cold. But I have come to tell you God is about ready to release zeal upon his church. One, one, one translation uses the words passionate commitment. Passionate commitment of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. If the church is going to be able to do what it needs to do to carry revival and awakening of nations, we're going to have to get this because we're going to have to flip our entire mentalities to really understand what it means to be passionately committed. Oh, I'm preaching to the right people. From this text, we see that God has a zeal, that God has a passionate commitment to governmental increase. It will happen. This kingdom will know in will happen. Jesus will settle it all one day. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Jesus Christ is Lord all by himself. Our Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it talks about uh, Paul here speaking to Titus, talks about who, he says, Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us. And he redeemed us from every lawless deed 
and to purify us for himself, a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Some translations use the phrase good works. Zealous. Zealous. You want to know whether you're zealous or not? Look, this is not optional. I may be zealous. I may go to a zealous church. I may not. Listen to me. Jesus went to the cross. Died on a cross. So he could purify us with his blood. So we would not have to give ourselves over to lawless, unproductive deeds and works. But that we could be zealous about good things, about the purposes of God, about the kingdom of God. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me right now. Jesus is so committed to having a zealous people and a zealous church that Jesus went to the cross and died, not just so we could be saved from our sin, so we could be zealous for his kingdom in our lives. I got something to live for, and I'm going to live for it with fire. Yes. My goodness, I'm preaching all right. What, 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 I, don't, I don't get it, preacher. I don't get, I don't get it. I, 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 you know, I love God. Now try not to sin. Now try to be good to people. I even show up and drop a dollar in the offering every once in a while. And Jesus didn't die so we could live that kind of life. We got we to we flip this mentality. What we need to take on is this church. I, I know this is going to be hard to chew on, but just, just take it. We, we're going to have to get to the place to where we have a one thing mentality. David said, I said, there's one thing. There's one thing. Oh, that I might get up in the house of the Lord and see him in that house. There's just one thing. Paul said, there is one thing that I do. Just one thing. Just one thing. I, I believe in 2022, God's going to try to shrink us down to one thing, to one thing, to one thing, to one thing. One thing is a zealous person who only sees one thing. There may be many things around them, but there's only one thing they burn for. There's only one thing. There's only one thing they care about. There's only one thing they live for. There's only one thing that's, that swallows them up. There's only one thing, and that is to please God, they're not looking to be content. They're looking to be consumed. I believe God's raising up a generation that says we will one thing. We will to see the glory and the kingdom of God. Born to burn. A holy zeal. To complete our generational assignment. One thing. One thing. What, what, what if all of us 
saw the same one thing. I'm feeling something on this. This this would rock the kingdom of God. This would rock the church. This would rock a nation. If we could just see one thing. But instead, if a church doesn't have everything, I can't go there. We're pretty much one thing already, but we're going to get one thing more. More of one thing. Our Bible says in Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. If the church ever really begins to serve God, I mean, really serve God. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let, let, me, let me teach for a minute because this, this phrase here, slothful in zeal, means to be lethargic, low energy, run down, wore out, sluggish, lacking enthusiasm. You just thought you need vitamins. I need four cups of coffee instead of three. There is a spirit of sloth that's trying to invade and lock in. First of all, to the five-fold ministry, but Paul already talked about this in Romans 12, 8, I believe it is, where he said, let us lead with zeal. That would be everybody that's doing something for Jesus. Do it with zeal. It literally means to be lifeless, listless, lacking in purpose. It literally means... We don't even care. I don't even care. It means I become careless for the things of God. I don't care. We got gap, we got prayer. I don't care. First Sunday of the month, better get there first. I, I don't care. Pastor Kim tells us we need to read our Bible, but you know what? I, I don't care. I don't care. It's a careless mood. Apathy in the Greek means lack of care. I didn't even know that. This is do not be slothful in zeal. But be fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Don't be slothful in zeal. Fervent in spirit. It's the opposite. It, it, it means get your boil on. Fervent means you ought to be boiling hot. How many knows when you watch a pot of, of water, it never boils? I know they got a saying with that. I can't remember what it is. A watching pot never boils. I don't know. 
some of y'all have turned the temperature down. But I go to Fresh Star Church. But you've still been trying to, we're trying to get it pumping. And you're like, turning it down, turning it down. We sneak up behind you and turn it up. Because I believe God wants every one of us on the boil. Boiling hot. To be passionate, engaged, committed, active, energetic, motivated. Boiling hot. Nothing less. Nothing less. Our Savior deserves nothing less. Nothing less than a people who are passionate, burning. Nothing less. Zealous. Wow. You know what? Our ancient fathers, if you go to, if you go to Mantle and you go to, from Pentecost to present, you'll, you'll go through a part of the studying of the early fathers of the church. They followed the apostles. They call them early fathers, ancient fathers. You know what they called apathy? They called it the noonday demon. You ever hit that thing about the middle of the day and you're like, oh. They thought that was spiritual. They felt like when they were in pursuit of God and they were in their fastings and they were in their praying. But they came to the noonday. They came to the day when the sun was the highest and it was the hottest there was. And they, and they called it the noonday demon. It simply puts words to the fact that the lack of care of one's spiritual life places them in danger of losing the fire. They actually believed it was an evil spirit released when the sun was at its highest. And the reason it was at this point, because they want, they believed this goal was to break down spiritual resolve. Makes sense. They believed it was the time when the spirit pressed down on a man's mind. And it caused no activity, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm using their verbiage, no activity to please him. What does that mean? That means there was nothing that he was excited about. There was nothing he was passionate about. There was nothing he was willing to get up and press through to see come a reality. He didn't need resolve because there was nothing to break through beyond what he'd already broken through. There was no vision. There was nothing greater than. There was nothing greater than. Therefore, he would fall back and he would give in. It would be a time of hunger, of boredom, time when they were tired and frustrated and angry. It was basically a time where they, were, they lacked spiritual energy. Maybe this is why the Apostle Paul over and over again spoke to the church and said, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. You see, apathy is not a state of mind. Apathy is a state of the heart. I'm not trying to talk to your mind today. I'm not trying to get you fired up in your mind today. That'll last about a minute. But if I can get you something in your heart, if the Holy Ghost can touch our heart, if our hearts can be filled with zeal. But here's the deal. 
Here's the deal. It's hard sometimes. It's hard to run when the wind is in your face. It's hard to make progress when you're swimming against the tide. Sometimes life comes at you fast and it hits you hard. And when you are in that time, it's when this noonday demon comes and tries to bring temptation to us to, 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 to back off. I've seen it happen probably literally hundreds of times in 25 years. I've seen it happen over and over again because we all go through it. We all have to deal with it. We all have to make choices. And, and, and it's during this time that if we're not careful, we spiritually lower the temperature and we begin to lose the zeal and the fire for God and the things of God and the things that we once wouldn't think about missing. It's no big deal. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Let's go do something else because we have lost the zeal. Life will suck it out of you. But thank God there's a Holy Ghost that will breathe life into you. Unfortunately, prophetically, we are living in a time of diminishing zeal. Jesus said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. We know he's speaking of Christians because the word love there is agape. Only Christians experience agape love. We know this because in the end time there will be a manifestation of a Laodicean spirit. Where they will neither be cold. They will never be hot. They will be lukewarm. You see, when God speaks about losing zeal through his scripture, he talks about us going off the boil. He talks about us running cool. Not cold. Cool. That means I still got enough on me that I can come. I may not really care about it, but I'll come. I may not get my highest praise, but I'll come. Don't forget, you're not giving your highest praise to us. Don't forget, you're not burning to praise us. You're burning to praise the one that 2,000 years ago went to a cross and died for your nasty sin. Shed his blood and washed you clean and then filled you with his Holy Spirit and gave you purpose in your life that has been covered up for years and began to give you revelation and unfold his purposes of your life. That's the one you come to worship. I dare you to give him anything but your best. But we all have to deal with it. That's the thing. So, 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 so I'm standing up here like, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about because I have to deal with it. 
Just because you got a, a pastor in front of your name and, and you got a five-fold ministry thing in front of your name doesn't mean you don't go through stuff. Doesn't mean stuff doesn't touch you. Doesn't mean you got the same with the deal emotions and, and constant trials and tests. You got to go through the same old things. You got to deal with the same old things. But please, please, after 25 years of this thing, there had been probably more days that my zeal was running a little low and my boil wasn't where it should be. But I have come to tell you, if you don't give up, but if you press and press and keep pressing and keep getting up and keep believing and keep staying around the house of God, keep staying with people on fire, it will come back. Actually, my, my wife just reminded me, it's actually been 39 years of ministry. 38 years of ministry. Who's counting? Y'all doing all right? You know, when evil is on the rise, it's easy to get tired. When your nation is flooded with just all kinds of stupid things. The my God. I don't care what party they are. Just give us some smart people. Give us somebody that's got some sense. You got all that and you're praying your guts out and then they do something stupid and you say, man, is it even worth it? Yes, it's worth it. You get tired, but you never quit. You begin to wonder. I'm just telling you, you begin to think in your mind, what, what, what's, what's the point? What's the point of being all in? What, 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 what's the point of being sold out? What's the point of being doing whatever it takes? What's the point? Because God's got to have houses of seal. You see, most of you in this room today, you know what it's like to be in a church that has a revival culture. And still be lethargic. My greatest fear. Is that there are people. They say fresh start churches their church. But yet they live a lethargic Christian life. It is possible. To give up the heat. And just act like it. You see, it's easier to be a busy one than a burning one. I'll just hang out a fresh start and busy, 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 busy. Busy, 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 busy. I'm busy here and I'm busy there and sometimes I can even fit God in my life and I can show up but if you're a burning one there is one thing there is one thing there is one thing that the kingdom of God might be manifested and that the kingdom of God might be expanded don't forget the core meaning of the word zeal is heat it's heat it's fire in your belly. 
It's something that drives you to be passionate about something. You know, Prophet Jeremiah, that guy was beaten, bound, thrown in prison for preaching the prophetic word of the Lord to his generation. But we find him. And he says, yet his zeal for the word of God was like fire shut up in his bones. He was beaten for it. He was put in prison for it. And he even said, I'm done. I'm done preaching. I'm done releasing your prophetic words. I'm done. You know, they say Jeremiah never had one convert. He never had one person repent. He didn't have a nation turn back to God. But he was faithful to declare the word of the Lord. And he'd had enough and he said, I'm done. Shut his mouth. But then the zeal of the Lord. He said, it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. And I got to preach. I don't want to preach. I'm getting tired of trying not to preach. But I've got to declare the word of the Lord. I am zealous. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, we've been created to be zealous. All of us in this room today, no matter your personality type, You have been created to be zealous for something. It can be something good or it can be something bad, but you burn for it. You burn for it. But here's what we have to do, church, because we are a revival church and we will be a zealous people. We will be a zealous people. We must make sure that our zeal is burning in the right direction. When something is on fire, it must be directed. And we have some firefighters in our church today. They call this a controlled burn. Controlled burns are the... Intentional use of fire to clear away dead vegetation that acts as fuel for the wildfires. When I saw that, I realized, okay, we got a problem here because we got churches full of dead vegetation. Now, y'all. Dead vegetation is a result of the lack of moisture, the lack of rain, the lack of water. You see, you see, you see, when we back off Holy Spirit flow, our flesh begins to fuel. The flesh becomes the fuel, excuse me, for misdirected zeal. So our zeal is in the wrong place. 
We must be intentional, as he says, fervent in spirit in order to burn up the fuel of our flesh. Our flesh is destroying our zeal. You see, too many of us burn for the temporal and not the eternal. That's why when I say one thing, you got, wait a minute, I got several things in the temporal realm. How about if we could just totally get free from the temporal realm, do what has to be done as responsible human beings, but understand our zeal, our burning is for one thing, and it is into the eternal realm. It is the realm of God. It is the kingdom of God. Is anybody here in this preacher right now? Y'all got quiet on me because I'm telling you something. Our flesh is messing us up. It steals our zeal. You can't keep up in a revival culture and your flesh be leading your life. So what do we do? We fight fire with fire. All right, so there's this guy. He wrote a book in 1841. His name is Octavius Winslow. Great name. Paul Octavius. (laughs) Octavius has got weight to it. He wrote a book, and it was called Personal Declination and... The revival of religion in the soul. So Octavius Winslow wrote this book in 1841. And it's basically about how easily it is to slide into spiritual decline. Yeah, I'm preaching to the right people. But how revival brings us back to the boiling point. I'll give you a quote. If there is one consideration more humbling than another to a spiritual-minded believer, it is that after all God has done for him, there still exists in the heart a principle. The tendency which is to secret, perpetual, and alarming departure from God. So Octavius Winslow had a revelation, and he's warning the church in 1841 that this growing cold spiritually, this reluctance to draw near to the fiery presence of God can come on any believer anytime. No one in this room is safe including me. I'm after the one just said, oh, I'm good. I'm after you. Because we need to understand this. He said it is secret. This, this, this cool spirit, this slothful spirit that strips away our zeal for the things of God. He said it's secret. He says it's secret because it creeps upon us in stealth. The enemy does not want, he comes. And when this enemy comes, he comes quickly. He comes quietly. 
No one even notices. Nobody even around us notices. Nobody understands what's going on inside of us. It's not even on our spiritual radar. And all of a sudden, we're cold. It's just, I don't know. What's wrong? He says it's perpetual. Perpetual. There's tendency to depart from God. This, this means we never get beyond the tendency to grow cold. It's perpetual. He's, he's showing us that there's a need to apply the heat over our zeal. This need is always with us. You know why? Because zeal is not static. It's, it, 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 it can't Maintain. Be maintained at the same level. It's either got to get hotter or get colder. But it can't stay at the same level of temperature. I don't know where you are today, child of God. I don't know who you are today, child of God. But somebody has let your fire go way too low. And you are cold to the things of God, but God brought you here to defrost you and to defrost the cold spirit that is on you and to reunite a love and a passion for the glory and the kingdom of God. He has come to set revival up in your soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. It either spreads or it dies. Oh, my God. If we've said it once, we've said it a hundred times. The tendency of fire when left alone is to go out. As soon as I've stopped giving attention to it, it starts going out. He said, it's perpetual. You just get used to it. You're going to have to deal with this. Revivalist, it's a part of your life. Fight the cold. And the last thing he says, it is alarming. It's alarming. What's alarming? It's alarming. That we can burn hot for God. And then become so careless. So feelingless. That my redeemed heart can get cold. Let me, let, me, let me wrap this up. I'm feeling something. Three enemies of zeal, real quick. Number one, as a revival church, as a revivalist, we can lose our zeal when we crave acceptance and approval. Don't think true revival is going to make you popular. Don't think it's going to make your church popular because a lot of people throw the word revival around, but they have no idea what real revival is. They have no idea how it burns and it cuts and it draws you and repentance becomes the weight that you must carry for your entire being here on this earth and conviction is something you live under. They have no idea. Sometimes we turn the seal down and we pour cold water on it. 
Because we don't want anybody to think we are fanatics. All I can say is Elijah was a fanatic. John the Baptist was a fanatic. Jesus was a fanatic. Paul the Apostle was a fanatic. Pretty good company, I say, if they say you are a fanatic. I just want to make a statement and make it clear. But we refuse to keep the Holy Spirit on the down low out of respect for those who have less hunger. I refuse. I refuse. Call me a fanatic if you want to. I feel at home with the wild ones. The second enemy is... It's, it's, it's what we value, and what we value becomes familiar. Oh, here we go with familiarity. Why do you always talk about it? Because we always do it. We don't mean to. You know what's at the heart of familiarity? Is that we lose respect for something we once valued. We start looking at the flaws in everything. And stop looking at the fire. When you can talk about something so valuable that God is doing in this house, you have become familiar with it. It's when the precious becomes common. We must hold everything in great value. God help us because it kills the fire. It takes the zeal out. When people are given all they got and you can treat it like it doesn't mean anything. Yes? That's good preaching right there. Oh, one more. One more and then I'll wrap it up. This is like this. Number three, we grow apathetic with age. I can speak to this now. I'm a little older. I understand getting older a little bit. Just a little bit. But it is human that the older we become, the less zeal we have. The less fire we have shut up in our bones. It's just... It's the deal. But it's not a deal we have to succumb to. I wonder when Pastor Paul's going to back off. You'll be around a long time, brother. I'm waiting for him to back off. This is one good thing about our team. They really don't want this. I mean, they don't want God to do it here, but they don't want the, you know, what we carry here. This, 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 this is what I, I want you to understand. For all of you that are in your 60s and your 70s and your 80s and your 90s, I want to speak to you and let you know that if you're hearing me speak right now, God is not done with you. 
There is a place for you in revival. There is a place with you because God isn't done pouring out his spiritual zeal upon you. Must I remind you of a man by the name of Caleb walked up in ah, Caleb, 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 Caleb didn't have that mentality. He didn't, he didn't sit back and say, you know what? I've been walking out in the desert for 40 years with these, these midwits, their hard hearts caused me to have to give 40 years of my life wandering around the wilderness. So let somebody else take the promise. Let somebody else. I put in my time. No, 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 not Caleb. He was a man of a different spirit because at 40 years old he crossed he crossed the, he, 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 he crossed with 40 spies with 12 spies 40 years old went in and said we are well able to take the land but out of their disobedience they went 40 more years then at 80 people of God at 80 he crossed the Jordan River with a sword drawn and said it's time to do battle But he wasn't done. Because at 85, after the land was taken. I said, after the land was taken. Something captured. Zeal rose up in the side of him. And he said, give me that mountain. Come on, Caleb, you're 85. It's full of giants. I don't care. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. Don't tell me what I can't have. I've been fighting for 85 years. I'm going after my mountain. I come to speak to somebody in this place. God's not done with you. He has a mountain for you to take. Get up on your feet and shout yes. I tell you, it takes a lot of zeal to keep revival moving. This is why many times God does pour out his spirit upon a younger generation to carry the zeal, to carry the fire, to carry the press. But I have to speak to another generation today and say, hey, don't blink out on us. There's still something you can do with zeal. And I hate when people say, well, at least I can pray. Oh, my God. Like, that's the least of the. No, no, that's the most. That's the highest. That's the greatest thing. The good news out of Octavius Winslow's book is that revival brings the heat back. Revival brings repentance and repentance brings the heat. How you know that? Revelation 3.19. Those whom I love, I repute, I discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. It's time to get the boil back. 
some of you have lost it. Oh, you look the same. You sound the same. You're even showing up at the same stuff. But you're not burning. I want us to start this year burning. And burn and burn and burn. We refuse to let the fire go out. The fire, the zeal, the emotion. Most of the church today doesn't even know what to do with the zeal of God. But God said, if this is going to happen, I'm going to have to do it with my zeal. What God's plan is for his church in the end time will be done by the zeal of the Lord burning through the people of God. Cold, dread, dry, lethargic people. We will not be able to get it done. Are you ready today? Are you ready for God to poke those embers? That that might be a full flame burning in your soul burning in your spirit if you're ready for the fire of God to explode over your life I want you to get to the front of this building right now because I believe God is getting ready to do something that we have already talked about that we have already sung about there's a fire coming there's a heat when I began this thing I said you can feel the weight of God but you know what else you can feel you can feel the heat of God I felt the heat of his presence before. Some of y'all just need to go ahead and renounce the slothful, cool spirit that has come upon you and you're okay with everybody else doing everything and you doing nothing. But it is time to ignite a holy fire of passion and seal that whatever God says I need you to put your hands to, you will do it and burn, and burn, and burn, and burn. Oh, lift those hands all over this room. I say, may the fire of God, may the seal of God, may the heat of heaven fall upon you now. Even as it was on the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire set upon each of them. May the fire of God set on each of you. Oh, Lord, burn up, burn up, burn up, burn up. Burn up our flesh. Burn up everything. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.